Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you that you are Lord of all things. Lord God, we thank you for being uh, in a place that you saved the world. Not only that, saved each one of us. Lord, that your heart is for each person here. You're not against us. You are for us. And Lord God, that you desire us to step into our destiny and our purpose that you created us, each of us for. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to teach us and guide us and counsel and, and help us and heal us, uh, that we may also bring glory to the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the Father who sacrificed his son on the cross, that we would be able to be saved, Lord God, and not only just live life here, but have eternal life forever and ever with you in the kingdom of heaven, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Got to cover the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. It's good stuff. Well, I'll take this lovely thing off. I've got a reason to now. Hey, you all look really fantastic. You know, many years ago, I used to work in theatres at Blacktown Hospital, and every day I had these things, little blue things on, and I'm used to them. So welcome to my world as a, a scout nurse. <laughs> I thought I'd do something a little different this morning. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do something I've never done in my life, and that is sit down and preach the message. I'm taking a leaf. I've been discipled by Nat. Where's Pastor Nat? Where is he? Somewhere behind me. Where is he? Sometimes it's so short I can't see him. (laughs) Mrs. Nat right beside me. Bless you guys. Thanks for that. Um, it's yeah, it's good. Look, um, I got a call and just asked if I'd share a little bit on discipleship this week, and uh, I thought, you know, that's a really good uh, word to share with. So, um, I've got to check if the oh, it's up there. Okay, so I've got some pretty pictures for you too, so you don't get too bored. Okay, so I apologise for some of the funny pet pictures that may appear in my sermon. Uh, who are cat lovers? Who are cat dislikers? I think the cat's lovers have it. That's past. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so, so it's good to be able to share with you about discipleship. Um, I went down to Pastor James last week, talk about discipleship. He's one, been one of my main disciples in my whole life and ministry. And it's really nice that, uh, you know, disciples don't ever retire. You don't retire as a discipler. Uh, You're always available for your (laughs) disciplees. I think there's such a word. Uh, And it's so fantastic to be able to go to Pastor James and Pastor Annie and ask them nearly any question under the sun and be able to get the wisdom and experience that they have shared and so on into this church uh, and continue to show, uh, show us Uh, as they continue uh, in their ministry on that beautiful south coast watching whales and seals. And uh, anyway, when we're coming back from there, uh, you ever seen those dump days? They literally put things, people dump everything on the curb because council's going to come and grab it all. I was really cool. We were sort of coming back from that from Pastor James's and we always drive slowly there looking to see what we can recycle. And uh, we got a big 
got a big bunch of insulation wool that was still pre-packed that someone was chucking out. There was a lawnmower that was still going. I don't know why they left it going. It was really dangerous. A, a, a garden hose, some rakes, and uh, there was a Mercedes-Benz, but I think they forgot to leave the keys in it. Uh, but that was all out the front, and, and you know, they're really fantastic, aren't they? You can find so much things, uh, so many products there and recycle them. Anyway, some people are waking up. That's fantastic. Let me get my specs. So we're talking about discipleship this morning, and uh, the first thing about discipleship is is to look at the uh, definition. So I've just gone to the definition of discipleship, and it says uh, the word for discipleship really is discipline. And the uh, first thing there says that the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behaviour, uh, using punishment to correct disobedience. Who's for, no, no, I won't say that. Uh, who believes in discipline? Yeah. Who believes in smacking a child? Who doesn't believe in smacking a child? Let me put a question to you. Has God ever smacked you? Okay. We'll leave that there. Welcome to all our online people, Pastor James. Francis, I hope you're enjoying your cup of coffee. Uh, stay well, beautiful lady. Uh, of course, the second definition is the controlled behavior resulting from such training. And of course, the third definition there is activity that provides mental or physical training. And of course, the fourth there is a system of rules or conduct. Now, who hates rules? I like Pastor James, he always hated rules, he likes guidelines. And I think that guidelines really work for me. There's a lot of grey in the guidelines, isn't there? It's, you know, there's the, I mean, imagine if we just had a red light and a green light on the traffic. How cool would that be? How far can I cut the green light before I go through a red light? You know, no, why do we have an orange light? Huh? That's the grey in it. Thank God we have orange lights. Anyway, let's go over. It's good that we've got discipline and it's good that we've got training. And uh, the key words there is obey. You know, in the Bible, people don't like bits and pieces. They want to rip out different bits and pieces of the Bible. And uh, even in marriage vows, you know, they're trying to curtail what the marriage vow says to honour and obey you know, because obey comes with such weightiness. But the obey is in keeping with the true spirit of honouring. You know, you obey because you honour. Uh, I obey God because I want to honour him and I want to get closer to him. And what flicks God's switch is when we obey him. And what doesn't flick God's switch is when we disobey him. It's simple, isn't it? So if you want to please God, who wants to please God this morning? Obey him and you will and you'll enjoy his presence. You'll enjoy his love. It's not that God walks us away because we disobey. Thank God he didn't and he doesn't. But he would rather us be loving him and loving each other from a place of obedience. Amen? So the first thing we should know about discipleship, and I hope Mike's just following these slides as we go along. I don't want to 
twist my neck all morning for you. Uh, the first thing we should know about discipleship is it's the great commission from Jesus himself. And in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, have you got that? You can turn to that. Why am I saying to turn to it? Because it's a part of discipleship. Sunday morning is about coaching and training, so you should look up your own word, not just the screen, okay? So we're talking about discipleship this morning, and so what I want to share with you is some stuff, and I want to encourage you, um, part of discipleship, part of uh, being obedient, part of obeying and honouring God is knowing his word. And so on Sunday mornings, I mean, I know we can get a bit slack, um, for different reasons, or we can get sidetracked on our iPhones and iPads. But can I encourage you as part of discipleship, learn his word, because most of us are probably not picking it up during the week. Okay? So this is not have a shot anyone. This is just to help you be discipled. Know his word, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So he says, all authority in heaven and on earth... Sorry, I need to go back to verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, uh, the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, as surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, verse 20, what's he say there? He says, teach them to disobey doesn't say that, does it? So God's into obedience, my friends. And I can tell you a short, I won't tell you a short story, but I can tell you I learned the hard way as a youth pastor that God is more, well, God likes obedience better than sacrifice. Okay, it's about Samuel. I won't go into the story, but Samuel, uh, it's in 1 Samuel 15, if you want to read it when you go home or some other time. God was saying, I'm not interested in your sacrifice. I want obedience. Your obedience is better than sacrifice, actually. You think you're doing all these amazing things for me, yet you're not loving your wife. You think you're doing all the amazing thing at church, you're being the grace servant, uh, you're doing all these amazing things at work, you're seeing people getting saved. You think all that's fantastic, but you're not obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So I want you to hear that. Uh, we need to do both, okay? But in Samuel, it made it very clear, don't lose track of being obedient first. Amen? Because you can do all the rest and it's worth nothing. It can be melted away in an instant when we can present before God. All our sacrifice can go to dirt. Obedience is the heavenly currency. Amen? And you want to build up your heavenly currency, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> So we go on to the next slide. Um, it says, so Jesus commands it. We see that Jesus has a, ga a game plan from the beginning for discipling. And friends, we, if we're discipling, need a game plan too. There is a saying, give a man a fish and feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll last a lifetime. Is there a picture of a fish up there? Yeah, good. I'm just hard to tell. But uh, I know the further back you are, the harder these pictures are to see. So maybe if you turn these lights off at the front, you might see the screen a little better. Can anyone see my iPad? <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, it's much better. Just relax, church. 
They're back on, okay. Anyway, teach a man to fish and it'll last him a lifetime. That's what God's about, isn't he? He doesn't want to teach you something that just happens at, uh, you know, today and it's gone tomorrow. He wants you to learn life principles. And so he, he's into teaching you things that leave you, uh, help you live a lifetime. And we see in historical records that the disciples went on after Jesus' death because Jesus discipled so well. And what did they do? They changed the world. And I've just got a little, uh, little bit of history here that these disciples, the sort of things they did to change the world because Jesus discipled them so well that, that, well, that when he died, they went on with the plan. Simon the Zealot, well, he went to Cyrene and Africa and eventually Britain. And then James went to Spain to pre and share the gospel, preach the gospel. Thomas went to Parthia, or what we know as uh, Persia, or what we really know as Afghanistan. Nat or Nathaniel <laughs> went to Parthia with Thomas and then Aminia and Upper Phrygia uh, in Asia Minor. Jude went to Assyria, Mesopotamia, uh, with control, which controlled uh, the famous city that you would know as Babylon. Imagine getting that mission. Phew. Philip, uh, he, he went to Scythia, the land area located around the Black uh, and the Caspian Seas. Matthew went to Parthia, then Asiatic uh, Ethiopia, lying near India. Ma Matthias, uh, who was the guy that was replaced uh, Judas in Acts 1.26. He, uh, he went to Dacia, which is modern-day Romania and Macedonia. And John, uh, based on a French legend, that Mary resided in Gaul after the crucifixion, and it was often assumed that John went there, and later on they both went to Britain uh, across uh, because that was a promise that John made to his mother to look after, uh, sorry, made to Jesus to look after his mother. So you had all these champions just going out, sticking with the plan. God had 12 of them and he changed the world with them because there was a plan. And one of the major things I want to say about discipleship, you need a plan. You can't just think, uh, I'm going to disciple someone. So there's a different array of discipleship we talk about this morning, okay? There's discipleship that all the you disciple me, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And there's a discipleship of one-on-one, -on -one, okay? But we're talking about one-on-one -on -one there, where Jesus just poured his whole three and a half years particular into 12 people uh, and showed them the plan, and they went on to change the world. Actually, if they didn't change the world, guess what? You and I probably wouldn't be sitting here being saved. Thank God for faithful disciples. So Jesus made disciples and they went out and changed the world. And guess what? Those disciples weren't all brilliant. They weren't bright like Joel. They were a bit like me. <laughs> you know, some were, some were weak, some were immature, some were frail, some were poor. Some couldn't articulate anything. You know, they weren't all smart people, but God used them to change the world. And, uh, you know, many people say that. I always laugh because I think God got a mule to speak in Parliament. <laughs> you know, when I was there, you can, feel, you can fit, feel right out of your comfort zone because you're amongst barristers and lawyers and solicitors, all who ran for the, you know, the positions of um, 
of parliament and got in. And there you are trying to talk wisdom to them. But there is a good scripture saying God sends the foolish things to confound the wise. And Jesus did that. And I don't know if you watched the series The Chosen. Has anyone seen the, the series Chosen on Netflix? I encourage you all, uh, especially season one, The Chosen, go home and watch it because I think it's the best, uh, the best way that I've seen Jesus presented and the way that the, 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 uh, the story is told from the actual people that Jesus ministered to. So it's through that filter, but it's brilliant. Uh, God used these guys. And, you know, these guys uh, transcend from a mediocre existence to changing the world. And if that's possible for them, it's, in, uh, it's possible for us. You know, they, they went across the world showing that right from wrong and holding with right against wrong. And the other thing they did is they challenged the injustice and they got justice. And we know that historically many people went on to do that. With discipleship, it tells us in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 to 4, it tells us that God wants all people to be saved. How many people? All. How many people? All. Do you know people that you think should be saved and shouldn't be saved? <laughs> Has anyone ever thought that? You shouldn't be saved. <laughs> you nasty, nasty piece. <laughs> Unfortunately, when I said that and thought that, I was looking in the mirror. <laughs> but we're worthy of sa being saved, aren't we? Amen? Sometimes we should look in the mirror before we start pointing the finger at others. What do they say? You point one finger, there's three pointing back at you, unless you've got the thumb really pointed back. Anyway, don't point the finger because there's normally three pointing right back at you. So God wants all people to be saved, and this is good. And guess what? It pleases God, our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then in Galatians 6, 9 to uh, 10, it says the Bible encourages not to give up on doing good. Why? Because God wants all people saved. So when you do good, you're normally helping people that probably are not saved. And you are charged by God to do good and make good decisions and help them make good decisions because he's interested in seeing them saved. It says in verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Who wants to give up? Of course we do. At times we all want to give up. I mean, who doesn't have a bad day? You know, my goodness. We do have bad days. But it says don't give up. Don't become weary in doing good. So the Bible's encouraging us, hang in there, keep doing good. Verse 10, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So should we even be kinder to each other? Yeah. Yes, five people agree with that. <laughs> we should all be really, really exemplary towards each other. Not because we like the, each other or not because we dislike what someone does or who they are or how they speak. We have every reason we can look at to be negative. Actually, some people are so negative, they can look through a keyhole with both eyes. 
Ah, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Some people are so negative in the dark room they'll develop. Oh no, okay. <laughs> Terrible jokes. Anyway, do good to all people. Can I encourage you this week, make it a goal of yours to do good to all people, not your horrible boss, not to that horrible work colleague that uses profanities. Find a way to do something good for them. Make them a coffee, go bless them, buy them something, get a cheesecake, get... Do something, <laughs> be good, because why? It pleases God. So on the next slide it says, so God has made the Great Commission the main purpose for Christians after loving him. Okay, after loving him, what is the main purpose? It's to go make disciples. So friends, we're called to be disciple makers. Any person, a Christian here, you are a disciple maker. Yeah. But don't do KPIs on yourself. Actually, that's what this is all about, isn't it, Pastor Joel? For the last month, we've been teaching about discipleship because we do want you to put KPIs in front of yourself. We do want you to impact your discipleship. We do want you to find someone to disciple. We do want you to disciple each other. We do want you to go and be, um, you know, discipling people out in the world because Christ died for them too. So we are all meant to be disciple makers. So if people are following uh, the, the problem with that, if you're a Christian and you are a disciple, I wonder if we looked at your disciples, whether they look more like the world or more like Jesus. Do you get that? If you are discipling, do they look more like the world? Are they going to get sloshed? <laughs> Are they using profanities? Are the bad jokes crude? You know, we're just going to be mindful of all these things. I mean, these things are daily things that we confront daily and we've just got to constant, constantly remind us that we are discipling people. And we need to be watching what we're doing and how we're saying things and how we're treating people. And, you know, we've, we've all got a good sense of humour. I love hanging out with the guys at golf. Uh, we've got a great sense of humour. And I, I don't know where all my disciple golfers are, but, but I beat them yesterday because I had to lead by example. That's <laughs> what disciples do, lead. I told them I'd get this in. I'd have to tell you that I beat them at golf. Anyway, seriously, can I get you to do another KPI? Are your disciples looking more like the world or are they looking more like Jesus? Are they speaking more like the world or are they speaking more like Jesus? Are they being generous or being stingy? Because it's pretty well probably what they learned from us and we'll talk about my experience shortly with that. Okay, so seeing having lots of people in church doesn't necessarily mean that there's lots of good disciples, okay? Churches, good churches help new converts become good disciples and good disciplers. Uh, so I wanted to share a bit about my discipleship journey and uh, I do want to give a shout out to a few people who over many seasons of my life have uh, discipled me. <laughs> I love that dog. 
if you can't see it, his eyeballs are popped. He's got terrible pressure. He's got glaucoma. Uh, but a good friend that a good friend to me that came and basically helped me get saved was a guy called a physiotherapist called Steve Jaleri. Uh, uh, he virtually helped me change my life for the good and for gospel. Uh, Pastor James and Annie, as you know, many years I've put in here and they've been absolutely exemplary disciples and I and Michelle and our kids uh, owe so much to them and their wonderful advice. Particularly one where I think, oh no, I won't say that. <laughs> I'm getting him in trouble. Uh, but anyway, and of course, um, all my disciples here at Celebration Church, my pastors, Pastor Joel, Pastor Nat, Pastor Benaya, Pastor Charlie, you know, amazing. You know, just being able to pick up so much from them and help us change to the image of Christ. Uh, and some of my Christian former bosses, uh, Drs. Bonnies and Bonnies out of the Colbera Beach practice, changed my life as well with their Christianity. Former Police Commissioner Andrew Scipioni, great man of God. Former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. Uh, if you like watching discipleship, he's got a, a podcast and stuff that he does. Great man to learn how to be Christ-like. Uh, former Premier Mike Baird taught me a couple of things, but major, the one thing that he taught me was when you, he was under immense pressure, and I said, Pastor, uh, you know, sort of doing the pastoral thing, Mike, how are you going? And he said to Paul, he said, he said something that just changed the way I think about hard times, because that guy was under a lot of pressure, and he just says, Paul, it's in his hands. And he put his hands out, it's in his hands. I've got a whole of New South Wales that I'm trying to run and there's things going well and there's things not going so well. But I tell you what, it's in his hands. Amen? What a great disciple, discipler. Uh, I'm always learning from men and women of God, my, my wife, my children, Mike and Eden and Emma and James and Jade and Ben and Jonathan and James. And of course, some of my friends from here, Wayne and Mary Adler, Greg, uh, where are you? Greg, yes, and your lovely wife. I've got a brain spam there. <laughs> Helen, Greg and Helen, Steve and Barb, Wendy, how good's Wendy as a disciple? Anyway, all you guys are just fantastic, and there's been so many of you that can consistently, and lots of mates here, Mick and. Peter and Nat and, oh man, it just keeps going anyway. Nadia, how good's Nadia and Debbie and the girls? I don't know if you know, they always sit at the what we call the table of knowledge and I go over there and we spend time with them and they've just got great wisdom and it's just wonderful uh, and they're disciples. And now um, we come to, you know, um, the Bible, like the Apostle Paul, uh, which a disciple is. The Bible itself is a discipler. And the, the words that Apostle Paul were writing in, in the epistles were all about keeping people disciplined and accountable. So why do we read the Bible? Because it helps us be disciplined and accountable. And uh, he sent that out. And thankfully, it was written right back then, but it's still the same principles. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Love God love people, tell them all about Jesus, try and get them saved. The, the message hasn't changed in discipleship. 
God has put people in our lives to keep us on our eternal track. Romans 10:17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You know, being at church is part of your discipleship. People want to take it off, take Sundays off. Some people don't think you even have to be in church. Well, I think you're, better, you're a better person for being in church. Okay, you're not a better person because of being in church. You're a better, you become a better person from being in church because you get to love people and learn about people and you get pressed, your dials get pressed, so buttons get pressed that are not always, you want pressed and, and then you learn things from others and you can help others and others help you and it's just a wonderful living body, yeah. a caring body, a generous body and so part of, you know, part of discipleship, friends, is being in church. You know, uh, I want to go back to Steve Jaleary because there's three principles particularly that he taught me in my life that I wanted you to know. One of the first things he did, he taught me the word of God. And, and you know, I was a lying, cheating, slandering, alcohol-loving, misadventurous person. And I wasn't mean. I was still, what you see is the essence of who I am. Happy, go lucky and believing for the best. But I had sin. And I had these things in my life that were drawing me away from God and what is accepted by God. And that stuff separated me from God. And he taught me the first thing I had to do was become a new creation. And I want to just say that, you know, one of the first scriptures taught me that helped me immensely from changing from being those things that were the fruits of the fruits of the sinful nature, Galatians 5.19, to transfer over to the fruits of the, the good nature of God, uh, the, the fruits of Galatians 5.22, love, kind, joy, all those things. The transition I had to make was let the old person go and the new person come in. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You are no longer that person that was all these things before Christ. You come to Christ, you are a new creation. The devil wants to remind you of your past, but you've got to remind him of your future. Amen? And so I'm there and I'm constantly getting condemned by all those things that, that I knew were wrong before God. But God's saying, no, let it go. You're a new person. You're a new creation. And so Steve taught me that. And I, as I started to accept in myself with my discipler that I was a new creation in God, things changed. I changed from the inside out. And my behaviors changed from the outside in. Okay? If you're struggling with sin, I mean... You've got, to, you've got to believe God, but you've got to follow his word because otherwise the outside behaviours are not going to change. And I'm going to talk about that briefly in a moment. First thing he did, he taught me about the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, when you come to Jesus, you come to Jesus because the Holy Spirit illuminated your mind, your heart, that he exists and that he died on a cross for you. You need to fall in love with the Holy Spirit, friends. He will counsel you. He will teach you. He will bring healing. He is the ultimate part of the Godhead that you need to get through life with. 
and he taught me about the power of the Holy Spirit. He taught me about words and knowledge. He taught me about discernment. He taught me about how to pray for people. He taught me what, uh, you know, what a great disciple. Yeah. To teach me one of the main things first was to fall in love and get to know the Holy Spirit. The second thing he did, he taught me about the Holy Spirit and the healing and the guidance and the discernment and those things. But, um, sorry, the, the, the third thing he did, because I just talked about that, the third thing he told me, um, he taught me a thing, a, a way to pray through scripture. And, uh, you know, if you're not a prayer, who's, who doesn't see prayer being one of your key, you know, there's intercessors and they can pray until the cows come home. They've got no problem. I'm lucky if I can stay praying, really, five minutes. You know, I'm struggling after five minutes. And thank God the scripture says, don't be a clinging symbol. Just say what you mean, mean what you say, and get out of there and live through the day. <laughs> Who's with me? Yeah. If I need money, I say, God, I need money. Help me. We're going down. And you know what? God hears it. Just as much as a person is praying for half an hour about money. Good luck to you. <laughs> and look, I'm not trying to take away from prayers with great gifts. I mean, my goodness, our sister here, how awesome are you? You're a prayer. And my whole ministry and my whole parliamentary thing has been undergirded by intercessors and prayers. Thank God it has, because I would have died in a ditch first day if it was relying on my prayers. <laughs> Thank God for Kathy Thorpe and the intercessors. Amen. And they're just prayers and they hold, they're the pillars of the whole thing. We think, you know, prayer may be not that important because you don't really, you know, what is it? But I tell you, it's the pillar. It's the pillar of the whole ministry. Why was Jesus such a fervent prayer? He got it. Connect to my Father, get the instructions and bring heaven to earth. So I'm not trying to belittle prayer. I'm just telling you I've learned that it's not my strength. But I've also learned some keys of how to make it effective when I do pray. And one of those things is praying. You pick up your Bible, you find a verse, and I've just got a, a quick example here, is that one psalm that everyone normally knows is the Lord is, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. You all know that? Okay. So really, if you don't know what to pray, sometimes it's just good to pick up the word. A psalm, because the psalm is all about hardship and belief and trust and faith. And by the time you pray through one psalm, I can assure you, if you're not feeling better, you need to come see Pastor Joel and get prayer. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. Father, I shall lack nothing. Lord God, I know the world seems as upon me. The darkness seems to be over me. The things that turn the smoke before my eyes. I can't see the end of the tunnel. But Lord God, you say you lack nothing. That Lord God, you're the God that created the heaven and earth. God, you're the God that brought power. You put the mountains through, Lord God. You grew the trees. You put animals on the planets, Lord God. You grew humanity. God, you know what I need. I lack nothing in your name. He makes me lie down beside green pastures and he leads me beside still, quiet waters. Father, thank you. Thank you. Times are hard, but Lord, thank you. The still waters, I can hear them because you've got this. I'm in your hands. Father, thank you. 
He refreshes my soul. And Lord God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, the joy of my salvation, that the Holy Spirit will minister to me now. Lord God, that you would just help my mind, my soul. Lord, lift up and believe again for the things that are possible in you, because all things are possible in Christ Jesus. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thank you, Lord. Your authority is enough to break this. Lord God, in heaven and earth, your authority rules, Lord God. And Lord, I just trust that your authority will break this thing over my life, through my situation, over my marriage, in my workplace, Lord God, because you have the authority to break it. And I'm believing in that in now and, and now in Jesus' name. And you prepare a place before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. My goodness, Lord, thank you for the roof over my head. Lord, the food on the table, the petrol in my car, my kids, Lord, their health. Lord, the, my, my wife and her incredible uh, um, love for me, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that my cup overflows, Lord God. You've never taken that much, Lord God, that I have found myself to be homeless. Lord God, you've never taken that much that I found myself to be embarrassed for following you because my cup overflows. And surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And ever. Thank you, Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? Who feels lifted up by that prayer? Can I encourage you, just pick up a scripture, rip into it, and pray through it like that, and that's called discipleship. Let's move on. Uh, I've discipled a few uh, people over my life, and I want to quickly run through some things like that that uh, may just help. You know, um, another... I was just going to say that one of the people I discipled once, I was just simply got him to come over once a week, and we did his bills because he was in debt. And I just worked through his books, and I shared scriptures about how to be diligent with finance. And, you know, the guy got saved, we married them and everything else. Now, I don't know where he's up to in his journey, but for a couple of years, we discipled him and got his bills and got his life back on track. And he married under God uh, and, you know, was restored to that, that journey. And I pray he's doing well and with the Lord now. Um, so we must make disciples, not break disciples, okay? And uh, that's why I got that picture of that. See that picture up the top there? The next one? Oh, they've got to keep going. I don't know where that is. They've lost them a bit. There's a one with the, the big lion. That's where we're up to. No, not that one. Back, back. Have you lost them all? Must have lost them. Anyway, there's one with a lion. The lion, you see that? <laughs> anyway, uh, we people... When we're discipling, sometimes we try, we write people so hard, we forgot about the compassion and mercy of God. Uh, someone makes a mistake and we trample on them because we're so progressed in our Christianity. They shouldn't be making that mistake. Can I just say, be gracious? Be gracious. Where were you when you were 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18? What were you doing? What mistakes did you make? Be gracious with your disciples. Remember the gracious, the, the, the goal is that to get them fulfill the destiny of God over their lives, not walk away from God. Okay, people, people trip up 
You and I will trip up. Don't be so ungracious to just flick them off. We're meant to be like a GP. You know, our GPs, God bless them. They're GPs for life. And we're meant to be disciples for life of every single person we disciple. And they might stuff up or we might stuff up. Get back on the, you know, back, back on the horse and get back to discipling and get back on with God. But let's not cause people to stumble because their sin was too great for us to forgive and help them work through it and get back with God. Truth with mercy, not with a guillotine. <laughs> Some people forget what it was like being a newborn, being on a milk, <laughs> then getting to the meat. <laughs> when I first came to Nara CLC, I had a dream. It was before I took on pastoring here, and, and it was, I, was, I remember it very specifically. It was like uh, Pyre Hall. Is anyone Pyre Hall? just for illustration's sake, I remembered in the dream that there's just kids everywhere. And this is before I came pastoring here. It was a vision of what God was showing me what to do here when I came. And there was just kids all out. It's like a massive scout camp, Steve. It was amazing. Just running ragged. And all I was doing was sitting in the middle of Pyrie Hall on about a milk crate with about seven, ten other milk crates around and I found out the kids that wanted to learn about God came in sat on the crate and allowed me to just share gospel and teach them that basically became our youth group I came down here we put a youth team together and every Sunday we sat around milk crates disciplings because one part of the ministry was trying to evangelize and win people to the Lord. The other part was about discipling. So whenever youth ministry was going really, really bad and you didn't have a lot of kids, it was never a big thing for me because I knew that I were growing some leaders. And look where those leaders are now. Nat, Benaiah, uh, Jenny Mitchell, Elspeth Cunningham, uh, just amazing leaders, and I'm sorry if I forgot, but there's stacks of them um, around that we've discipled over the years of those younger years. And it was all because made a decision to do ministry twofold. We'll go out and win and love the kids, but I'm also going to grow disciples. And those disciples are changing the world. Uh, part of discipleship is about teaching uh, you know, your, your facts and doctrines of the Bible. When you're sitting with someone, you've got to take them through the Bible. The Bible's the foundation. You can't have Christianity without the Bible, folks. You need to understand it. You need to uh, learn it. And you should be teaching it to your disciples. You can't walk away and just be doing an event over here all the time like golf and thinking you don't have to share the Bible. Discipleship is about learning the facts and doctrines of the Bible as well. And if you don't like being corrected by people telling you, by disciples, uh, or you think your discipler doesn't like uh, correction, point them to a book about the Bible. I learned, I, there was a book called Practical Christianity for me, and uh, it changed my life. Because rather than people or decide what I felt people were judging me, uh, which they probably weren't, it's just I felt condemned. The Practical Christianity book addressed the same issues and allowed me to work with me and God to get rid of those things in my life. Okay, disciples model Christian life. Okay, we model Christian life. Disciples 
We talked about that. Do you want people to look like Jesus or look like the world? Uh, you build relationships. So you should be helping people when you disciple them. We disciple each other to build relationships, how to function in rela relationships, how to have con conflict resolution in your relationship. You don't cut your disciple off because you disagree. You've got to help them learn how to work through conflict because this world is full of conflict. And then you're setting them up to maybe be a great husband, great wife eventually because you're setting them up with skills of how to resolve conflict as a young disciple. And as they get into new relationships or their work relationships and they become a boss or they become someone influential, they learn those skills and you've taught them how to do those things through relationship. Um, cultivate character. You know, they cultivate being a discipler cultivates our character and it also cultivates the disciplee's character. Okay, um, you know, characters take them. For instance, they say in, in my world uh, that they, they say, you know, takes a lifetime to build your character. In politics, only takes seconds to assassinate it. So you want a good character, you want to be known as a person of good character, it takes a lifetime to build that, day in, day out, being consistently obeying God, learning his ways, learning his word and being Christ to others. Okay, uh, train others to use spiritual gifts, train them to share the gospel and minister whenever possible, uh, train them to be generous. In the beginning you should be paying for everything and then at the end, if you're discipling well, they will want to pay for things. Let them pay for things because it's part of you discipling them about how to be a generous person, uh, be generous and a giving person. You want your disciple to eventually say, can I pick this up? And it might be a bit of money and you know it's a bit of money for them, but don't say no. Allow them to do it because it's part of the discipleship process that they're actually buying you Maccas instead of you buying them Maccas all the time. And you know they haven't got a lot of money, but don't rob their pride I've been able to buy those Maccas, you know, because it helps them develop into a, a generous yeah. giver. Yeah. Amen? And I can tell you this because I had a problem with that. Okay? Um, I was not a giver. God changed my heart. I've had to go really hard. And nowadays, I always try, I try, I'm a bit different now, I still try to pay first. But when I was uh, in Parliament, I always paid first because I want to be generous. And I'll tell you the other thing I did. I've known some really wealthy people and I've gone out with them and I've been first to try and pay for them. And even though it's a coffee or a bit of lunch, I want to beat them and I want to show them that they don't have to do all the giving. I can give out of what I've got. Amen? So if you know rich people, beat them to the till and pay for them. Wealthy people, I should say as well. Wealthy, wealthy people. Um, it's, <laughs> There's a difference, but I haven't got time to tell you about it. Uh, learn the Word of God with them. Every Sunday, as I said, in the youth meeting, we would sit down, do a bit of Scripture, we'd pray, and we would learn the Word of God uh, as part of that discipleship of the youth program. Uh, disciple the saved and unsaved. This is really important. Uh, Michelle and I, we disciple the saved and unsaved. In your workplace, disciple the saved and unsaved. When they bring something up from the world and they're telling you something that's not right, don't sit there and take it. Share them what your view is or what your thought is from the Bible. As a disciple, you need to be aware sometimes that people will trust your opinion blindly. So you've got to be careful here. So take, take time to care about what you're saying. Because 
you might be the only Bible someone ever reads. Okay, and I, uh, I had this pastor once and I was just a young Christian. I went to his place and the movies he was watching was shocking and it shook me. So you're, you're, the, you're the man of God. <laughs> and it threw, uh, threw me out. So make sure what you're doing when you've got your disciple around, that you're being godly and being thoughtful. Um, and then advice you're giving them, make sure you're spot on because they will take your word as being the gospel and you could throw them right out. So just be, be wise. And I, that's happened to me, okay? People took my word and I thought, I didn't have that much power, but they took it. So just be careful with your disciples how much you're trusting, uh, you, what, what you're saying to them. Uh, so I encourage you today, revisit and recommit to discipling one another as you would uh, as you work at your faith with fear uh, and trembling, discipling one another in our daily lives. John 13, 34 to 35 says, a new commandment I give you, love one another just as I have loved you and uh, friends let us not lead uh, let us not only lead people to Jesus but also to disciple them as well a couple of things there F had six questions there but I'll just go straight to a quote as disciples we have to want to grow in our relationship with Christ you have to have if you don't have a yearning to know more about Christ I would do a check up from the neck up amen You've got to do that. You've got to want to grow your own discipleship in Christ. Otherwise, you've got, you need probably some prayer. If you don't have a desire to grow to Christ, there's a chink in the armour. Have a desire to disciple yourself. Invest in discipleship. Invest in growing. In our task to go and make disciples of all nations... We have to start with ourselves. In, uh, in his address to the USCCB General Assembly in 2012, Cardinal Timothy Dolan challenged the bishops to do just that by saying, first things first, we cannot engage culture unless we let Jesus first engage us. We cannot dialogue with others unless we first dialogue with him. We cannot challenge unless we first let him challenge us. You know, if you're here today and you might be your first day, it might be your 31st year here, I hope you just feel refreshed to lift up your discipling. Remember what it's about. It's about loving God, loving people and changing the world. Please do something. Make a plan of who and how you're going to disciple someone. And remember, every time you speak to another Christian, it's a chance. It's, it's a chance that you are possibly discipling again. And so make sure you're saying the right things and encourage, encourage obedience to God because it pleases him. Let's pray. Gracious God, we ask you to cover all believers here today and throughout the earth for that matter. Please guard us and guide us as we seek to draw closer to you. Thank you for loving, uh, your loving provision and timeless truths. We pray that Christians everywhere will hold fast to your word and be led by your spirit to, to spread your gospel and disciple each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there's one more picture I think at the end. We've got the last picture by chance, the sheep. My wife came running in this morning and she said, oh, we've got a new revelation as disciple sheep. You got that? I love that?
I had that little one of the girl riding the sheep. I just thought that was the best because that's what it's like following God. It's a bit of a ride. <laughs> but he is your shepherd. He's a good God. He loves you. You know, he knows your voice. Do you know his? Can I just have every eye closed? Many years ago, I heard his voice and I replied to him. He just wanted to get me under his wing, nurture and love me and take me and build me into the dis destiny that he had for me. You might be here today, you may not know this God or you may not have a, a chance to receive Jesus, but can I say to you today that God has got you. He desires to help you prosper. He desires to see you reach everything that he's created you to be. If you're here today, there's one simple way to do that and get to know God, and that is say sorry for your sins and receive Jesus in your life. So if you want forgiveness of sins, just simply I get you to put your hand, put your hand up, raise it up right now. And we're going to ask God with people to forgive your sins. That's great. Anyone else? Raise your hands and just say, I'm, I want to be forgiven for my sin. That's good. Just do it. Don't look around, please. Just, just do it. It's between you and God, not me and you. I just do it so I can help pray. Father, we just see those hands. And Lord, in there, just pray that you would just, uh, Lord, first help them see that you have created them. That they are new creations. The old has passed, the new has come. Church, let's just lead them in a prayer. Well, actually, I don't think you can say anything as I, because <laughs> you've all got masks on. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Jesus. We're sorry for our sin. We ask you to forgive us for our sin. And we pray that you'll come into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to change my life and help me be more like you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God's not a big guy with a ruler. He's a, he's a guy with a big heart. But, but he loves obedience. Can I encourage you? Be obedient. More than sacrifice, be obedient. And uh, that pleases God. And I'm into that. <laughs> I'm into that. God bless you, church. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.